Hi, this is Rachel. And this is Christy. Welcome back to Constant Chaos. Today, we are so excited to welcome Renee Brooks from Black Girl Lost Keys. I just, I love that website. I can't say that enough. That is such a great Thank name. Thank you. You're going to have to explain that one. I want to, I totally want to understand it. Okay. So with ADHD, a lot of people, you know, lose misplaced items. Yeah. And there is a classic book called Black Girl Lost. And I was joking around one day and I said, I'm not Black Girl Lost. I'm Black Girl Lost Keys. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's the name of the blog. And that was it. I love it. Awesome. I love that. So Renee, tell us your story. I found you on um, Twitter. I don't, I'm learning the whole Twitter mm -hmm. thing and you were one of the first people I found and I just, I loved everything you posted. Um, but Thank you. And I've read your, um, I've gone through your blog. I've read a lot of your blog, but I, why don't you tell us your story? Like yeah, how we were, you got Rachel to be where I, you are. Totally. Rachel and I were talking about it yesterday. Like what should we talk to her about? There's so much that's interesting. And I said to Rachel, I really think like, I just want to hear her story because you talked about being diagnosed with ADHD three times. And so three. like, how okay, does great. Chris, we need to let her talk. I'm sorry. I'll shut up. Go ahead. <laughs> so, okay. So I was diagnosed with ADHD the first time at seven the second time at 11. And then at 25, I was diagnosed and got treatment. The first two times it was vetoed by my mother because at that time, the prevailing attitude was that they were just trying to drug children up. And that's mm -hmm. even more true when you're talking about black children. So she was just like, no, nah, you're not going to drug up my kid. She's brilliant. There's nothing wrong with her. And I was brilliant but there was also something going on there and I needed some support. Um, I was telling Rachel earlier when I was a kid, I can remember I wasn't allowed to get up off the couch or go do anything else until my homework was done. And we would be there for hours every day. How did you every sit there? Like, how, I, how do you I do that? I mean, I do that now. I do that to my son. Like when you were describing sitting at your dining room table, your mom telling you, you're, you are not going to get up until your homework is done. That hit such a nerve with me <laughs> because I do that. And it's a reminder that yeah, probably doing the wrong thing. It's, you know what it is? It, it, it didn't work. Like if it, it, I think that's, we were taught that things work one way. You start the job and it's very linear and you work on the job until it's done. Mm -hmm. That is a way, but it is not the only way to accomplish right. a task. And for neurodivergent people, it's often not the way. Um, so I would be there for hours and hours and she would be like, oh, can you just get it done? Well, I couldn't. So I was up talking to my grandmother while she was making dinner and I was going to the bed you know how kids do I need to go to the bathroom like you could not possibly need to go pee like four times in an hour stop playing with me child but you know that's you're probably getting a few snacks in there I think you might be in my house where you oh yeah because I've got two of you <laughs> it's something it's like I have to go to the bathroom um I think I need a different pencil uh I really oh. like the eraser on this thing better. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, 
Oh my God, no, you, you have no idea. We're fighting over the bathroom here. Oh, I'm taking another shower. You're, but yep. you're clean. You were clean the last two showers today. Yep. And if it's like, I'll get another pencil. sensory thing, like it, sensory stuff is weird. Like I was just talking about it on, on Twitter earlier. Like I've always hated doing dishes, but it wasn't until I like really broke it down. It's not necessarily that I hate doing dishes. I hate that icky sensory feeling of smushed food and the smell of the soap and stuff on the dishes mixing together and standing in one spot really makes my feet hurt. So those are the things I hate. I can rinse the dishes ahead of time so I don't have to deal with that. And if you're scraping a plate efficiently, there's no squishy nasty food and you can get an anti-fatigue mat. Problem solved. The dishes I'm were not the problem. Such a bad parent. Why? Because <laughs> my son has explained that to me almost identical to what you've said. And so for Christmas, I got him gloves to wash his dishes because I thought that would solve it. I was like, here are the gloves. Now you can do it. And he's like, you don't understand the whole problem. <laughs> I don't think that makes you a bad parent. I just think maybe it, like because we're getting up to the to go to the bathroom 14 times and we need the pencil and we need this. And it, it, so much of this can look like just plain old avoidance. And when it's avoidance, it's like, get your ass up and go do what I told you to do. Right. Like, so it, it looks like obstinance and it's hard to suss out which one it is sometimes. So I don't think that makes you a bad parent. I think you're just trying to make sure you raise a kid who's accountable and does what they're supposed to do. Yeah. But it's, it's, I like how you've explained this because it, it's so, you know, it's so nice. And I'm sure you found people along the way and in your journey, right. Where it's like, you get some validation and you think, yeah, okay, I'm not crazy. This mm -hmm. is a terrible kid that I'm just trying to beat something into. These are real things and we need to think differently out of the box and come out with yeah. some real solutions. Yeah. And it sounds like you, you found, you're so good at saying what it is. And that probably took a long time to even be able it to did. say that. You're just like, it I just did. hate cleaning, but now you're, you were able to step back and figure out what were the steps that you didn't like. It, it takes some introspection and it takes a, like, and I think that's another thing that can be really frustrating for a parent is that it, it, it takes a lot of practice. And again, you don't know what's avoidance and obstinance and what is, you know, like I'd say for me, um, the thing to do is when you've persistently fought over a strategy for whatever a determined length of time is, it's time to consider maybe that that particular strategy isn't working. It's like I said to my mom, I'm like, four hours on homework every night we didn't think something was wrong there and she's like yeah but I didn't it, it's like if you if you're not given an alternative what do you do but what you know to do and what we're traditionally taught is the way to do things especially as parents because we learn from a generation before us that didn't right. know the stuff that we know so if we're modeling that and giving it to our kids, what else can you give what you know to do? We have to get creative. So and now we have the, we didn't what, have the, and my parents didn't have the internet. What yeah. would have worked? 
other than sitting there for four hours? I think getting up, moving around. The ADHD medicine would have helped. ADHD (laughs) medicine would have helped. (laughs) Like, let's start there. Learning about, um, learning about what the disorder was. And, you know, who's even to say that we would have had enough information even then? Because I think we know so much more than what we knew when I was a kid. But I think having, at least having that guidepost to go with would have, helped a lot of the things because what what I internalized instead of um good messaging was that I was a bad kid and I I wouldn't do what I was supposed to do and that's not the message we want to send right and that's not even how she felt it's you know what it happened it was a year or two ago that maybe a year ago I went and I did an event for retirees from my high school they had, you know, a bunch of us who had, you know, done different things, you know, a lady who owns a flower shop in the community, another one who is a restaurant franchisee, and we all just came and talked about what what we're doing, and I apologized to a couple of them. I was like, oh, God, I was such a crappy student. I know I was always, you know, doing things I didn't have any business doing in class, and my Spanish teacher looked at me and said, what? are you talking about you were not a bad student everybody was jealous of you because you could sit in the back of the classroom and crochet not study and still get an a that is not a bad student what are you talking about Hmm. wow and it was like oh so why did you feel like what internally was going on that made you feel like you were bad or wrong or not obeying your parents like how did that manifest oh i would not could not do homework consistently that like were pun- like were you getting punished for that all the time okay. <laughs> like I spent my entire teenage years grounded like all the time oh. dishes bedroom not turning homework in like my entire childhood I was in trouble for one of those things do you continue to feel like you're in trouble when something doesn't happen like is that an innate no. quality of yours now or are you about you about grown it or overcome it I've overcome it. Like after learn it, like now I can look back at it and go, "Oh, this was ADHD. Never mind. Wow, this is something that I don't need anymore. Like That's I don't need fantastic. to hold on to that belief anymore." That's fantastic because I think that that could be a very hard thing, and I'm sure a lot of people wrestle it with is. that. It's you probably a, have, and you have a good therapist. Oh man, my therapist rocks. <laughs> <laughs> like she's the best therapist. She's so good. But, and that's the thing, like it took therapy and it took, and even now, like, I don't think that I'll ever not look at my life and go, gee, I wonder what would have happened if we'd have caught this sooner or, or done something about it sooner. And I think that was a failure on the part of the school system because they knew damn well I had ADHD and they didn't, you can't just throw something like that at somebody and just go about your business with no time to educate them or explain or point out specific behaviors and why you, that's just not the way you're supposed to do things. And I I think they could have done that better. So did Mm -hmm. they just kind of tell your mom, we think she has ADHD and she said no, and they just kind of moved on? They tested me without her permission, twice. Wow. So how do you, how do you expect to bring that to a parent 
when you've done something like that and expect a positive response, you've already got her on the defensive because she never told you you could test me for that. Mm. Wow. That's not even supposed to be legal. No, Christy and I are always talking about like where we are, it's you have to beg and plead to get tested. Isn't that something? The schools don't want to test. And they won't, and no. they still don't even call it what it is. I mean, because they don't want to give any services. They, they don't want to have any. Bingo. Yeah. They don't want to have to pay for it. Nope. And it's so sad. They don't want to have to pay for it all. Everything it does to these poor kids and how they feel about themselves is such exactly. a struggle. And that's always been my big beef. It's like you are taking a child who could love learning and you're beating their self-esteem up and making them feel so ostracized in the classroom when all it takes is just a little bit of a tweak. It's mm-hmm. not a huge issue. And if we all work together, it wouldn't be that expensive. You're making it. it expensive. They do it. Like, I just, you're, you're right. The, the impact on the self-esteem alone is setting the child up for issues down the line. That's when you're like, I think, you know, anxiety and depression are a common comorbid for people with ADHD. And I often wonder if we didn't spend entire childhoods being shamed and receiving so much negative messaging, Mm -hmm. if that would be factual. Like, is it part of ADHD because it's part of what happens to us neurologically? Or is it socialized by getting beaten up on like this? Because you do internalize shame and you do feel like I just, I'm trying as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. I must just not want to do it. So that's like, that's when you don't have any other answer, you're going to come up with answers for yourself and they're not always going to be positive ones. Yeah. Well, it just, it makes me think about you losing your, key. it makes me think when you say black girl lost keys, like how many times are you losing your keys? And everyone's saying to you, why can't you keep your keys? I have no idea. And, and that's the but thing. Like the shame. Then you have the anxiety of like, oh, I can't keep them. There's something wrong with me. And then we look, we look to children for answers about their behavior and genuinely expect them to be able to give us the answer. Why aren't you doing your homework? Now, do you think that I want to be grounded and yelled at and scolded and have marks taken off of my grades? Don't you think if I knew why I wasn't doing my homework that I would do it so you would stop yelling at me? How can I answer that question? And then when I say, I don't know. I feel like I need to hear with my son while I'm yelling at him to do his homework. It's like, if I could do it, if for no other reason, then nobody wants to upset mom because it's true. When mom isn't happy, nobody is happy. If I can give this to you so you will leave me alone, I would gladly do it. Please believe me. I don't know why I can't do it. And that's where the shame starts because you're working as hard as you can and you're being told that you're not. How can you accurately gauge anything in your life if your perception about your own efforts is always being discounted? So what would you tell parents now about how to handle that, right? So they get into this battle because they don't understand. And then, you know, you're asking your child to your point and they can't explain it. So what do you do? Like, how do you help these kids as a parent get through this process? Because it's very real. I think 
for for starters, these type of conversations that we're having, education about the disorder is key. Talking to adults who have it, who can who can put it into grown-up language for mm -hmm. you, I think is really important too, because we can come back and say, eh, the kid's doing this. Well, this is how I felt about it. And at least you can gain some kind of insight. And believing our children, we really like we don't believe our kids when they tell us stuff. We don't. It, it's <laughs> like, true. we we think we do, but it it's, it's almost like the way that we're taught to parent is immediately set up to be skeptical of the things that children say, say to us because we think that they're trying to skate out of something. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like, yeah, they're getting up and down and going to the bathroom and they want a different eraser, but it's not necessarily because they don't want to do the task. It's because you cannot sit in that chair another second and I have to get up and these are the constraints under which I am allowed to get up. So I need to pick one so that I can get up and move. They don't know why they can't sit still. Yeah, I worked in the classroom with one of my sons when he was very little and um, I was doing some reading group or something and I counted, there was this one boy who got up and sharpened his pencil 14 times. He wasn't, and that's why. Yeah, he wasn't disengaged from what was happening in the classroom, but he did get up 14 times. And at the time I thought, what is going on? And why is the teacher not acknowledging that? But then I kind of look back and I'm like, he just needed to do that. I mean, that was just like, he couldn't sit in that structured situation, you know, cross-legged in a reading circle and be patient while everybody went around and read in the room, mm -hmm. it was driving him crazy. Exactly. And, and therein lies the, the, the real issue because then, you know, you see the kid and the teacher's like, no, you have to sit there. So then what do you do? You try to pay attention, you disengage mentally, yeah. you, especially for um, girls with ADHD, you um, develop a very interesting and rich thought life, but that doesn't really <laughs> help you when you're trying to uh, survive in the very real world. So those are the things, it, it's like, if it is not disruptive, why can we not let them move? Right. The assumption is that if you're not sitting completely stock still straight up and down in your chair, that you're not ready for learning. Why? Like I can turn off my camera and walk around and move and I'm good. Or I can scribble and draw like the, the thing, like, it's funny because the kids actually know what they need and they're walking through what they need and we're telling them to stop we're and that it's inappropriate. Mm -hmm. We're stopping and hurting their process. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because I look at my, um, my eight-year-old, he, at nighttime, he is doing handstands and somersaults and like jumping on the bed and doing all this stuff when I'm, and I'm, no, 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 this is when we read, cuddle up against me, calm your body down, let's read. And he's like, no, I am calming my body. This is how I need to bring my body down. He's he getting his energy him. out, right? But at the same time, you're like, can we find another way besides somersaulting? Like, you're going to hit your head on a dresser, kid. Like, exactly. 
And but we'll, that's how you work together as parents, right? Like we can look at that and say, okay, you need to move. Here's how you can do that safely without being disruptive, without causing a problem, mm-hmm. without hitting your head on the corner of the dresser. Which happens. Yeah, like let's collaborate on it. Then you've got a kid who goes, they're trying to work with me. Well, let right. me give them some cooperation. It's like, okay, you're trying to see see my angle. Let me give you some cooperation mm-hmm. and see what works. Like maybe I'll take two showers instead of going for the third. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that there's even like the people, the parenting experts out there would say, well, at night you need to calm your child down so they can go to sleep. What's your bedtime routine? How many times have I been asked what my bed, bedtime routine how do, is? How do you calm your child down? How do you bring them down? If they're jumping around, they're not going to fall asleep. Well, you really, you think? You know what? He does fall asleep. He, because when the, book, when the book ends, he gets under the, bed, the covers and out. <laughs> so see, there you go. Like He's like, okay, I'm going to do all of this moving around while mom's reading the book. Like This is book time. Okay, we're done. We're done. Right. I think you're lucky though, because that's not the experience that we've had here at all. Listen, well, I was I'm like, not, you know, Christine's going to get under this the is, covers. This is a short time thing. This is not going to last forever. Yeah, but you've been going on for a decent amount. We never could get to that. I mean, sometimes a little bit, but um, a lot of times, like I, I remember, and I, I'm hoping my memory is correct because it's getting very filled with unnecessary information at this point. But I feel like there was homework time where we'd pass a football you know, we'd sit on the other side of the living room and just kind of like delicately like, or let's do that. Let's roll this ball back and forth while we talk about whatever the assignment was, you know, yeah. perfect. or play jazz music in the background. My husband always used to put the jazz music on when it was time to like read or do some homework. And that yeah. was a little bit of a mental, like your brain could travel through that while you're doing something else. That's a Those great idea. Awesome. Those are, see, Look, find it, bad right? parent gives really awesome, the bad parent. Yeah, okay, Christy. None of this sounds like bad parenting to me. I'm not totally beating myself up, but you know, like, you know, when you look back and you reflect on things that you're just like, I, how did I not see that? But when you're so in the weeds and you're living it, you don't see it all the time. It's really hard to have that reflection when you're sitting there and struggling so hard to try to make things better for your child and you're not actually helping at all. <laughs> And that we're people too. So you're like, you're looking at everything else that you need to do and going, if I can just get this kid to cooperate, then all the pieces would fall into place and everything Amen. Would exactly. Work. Like, if so my kid will just get in the shower, that means they can go to bed earlier yeah, and I can time. go to bed and yeah, I can I clean the kitchen. <laughs> and so then it's. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, go ahead. Go, go, go. So you got so twice in school, the school diagnosed yeah. you. Parents did nothing. You didn't. You weren't medicated. So then, where did you travel to from there? Great question. So went to college. Um, after three and a half years of all nighters, I burned myself out so badly that I quit late in my junior year, and wow. never went back. Um. And then I landed a job with um, Medicare and that took me through a career in health insurance. And right about there was where the mental health, (laughs) where the mental breakdown began. Very intense work, big time deadlines. Um, 
and I was fast. So I could do it and meet the deadline. But then it got to the point where the workload got overwhelming and I found like, oh, I'm not so good at keeping up here. Mm. And then I started to get scared and depressed and anxious. And I went on mental, mental health leave from my job. And six months into being treated for anxiety and depression, I just so happened to mention in passing to my therapist, oh, well, you know, when I was a kid, they tried to diagnose me with this thing and give me medicine. And my mom wasn't really trying to hear this. And I, and I went to move on and she stopped me mid-sentence and was like, they did what? <laughs> she started writing and tore off a piece of paper for me and said, that's my colleague, he's down the hall. You go knock on his door, make an appointment with him, hand him the piece of paper, come back to me when you've done that. We're done. That was the end of my session. I don't even remember what I was telling her to this day because she cut me off that short and was like, we don't even need to talk about anything else until you go talk to this ADHD specialist. Like I was, it was not skill and just the, that's, I think that's the thing that frustrates me about ADHD in general. So many people are diagnosed by chance. Like that was a chance. Mm -hmm. That was good fortune. That wasn't because somebody looked at what was going on in my life and thought that might be ADHD. We need to take a closer look at this. It was, oh, that happened to you? Oh, well, in the context of all this other crap that you're doing, this makes sense. Let's go figure that out. That's not the way it should be. No. And you know, it's funny, Rachel and I have talked about this a lot. And, you know, when you go talk to these doctors or psychiatrists or therapists or whomever you're talking to, and you're trying to solve a problem for your kids, unless you can find a person that will listen to all these stories you have about Mm -hmm. how things are happening, you need a specialist to hear those because they know how to extract whether it's in this example, ADHD or something else. And without that person who's really pulling that stuff out of you, you don't know what to present. So you kind of present the whole thing. You know, in my case, it would be like my entire, you know, that we had this episode in my house with my child and this happened and this happened and this happened. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, either tell me more about this or this is a typical ADHD or this, that's like typical anxiety or, you know, and, and for me to hear like, that's such relief because it's like, okay, someone's finally hearing me. And I'm sure you kind of got there. Like, yeah, now this ties the puzzle together, but if you don't do that and you don't have the right doctor talking to you, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's like a minefield. You just never know what you're stepping on. Exactly that. And that's where like, you know, I was, I was fortunate, even even the two times they caught it, even though they didn't get me treatment, it wasn't because they didn't try, even though the way they tried was awful. Right. Um, and even that was fortune. I was fortunate enough. Uh, the first time I was diagnosed, I was in private school. And the second time I was diagnosed, I was in a really fantastic school district. So, you know, if if it was missed, with all of these opportunities, how much more are children who don't have those kind of advantages being missed? Well, yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, I don't know if you, have you watched any of the CBS? I think there were like some news cases where they talked to people in prison and they were saying like, 
there was a high percentage of kids with ADHD and that becomes their path because Mm -hmm. no one ever understands them. And so, and nobody's helping them and they don't have the right support structure. And so they, they end up in really bad places and it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. No, it like it, it's, there's a connection to the school to prison pipeline for sure. And it's like the whole thing is just, it's such an unfortunate mess. And I feel like, so we remember all the screenings, like you guys are like, you guys have children, but I remember like, first of all, I feel like I was always being tested for something. I was in gifted and all this. So they were always poking and prodding around in my brain for something. But they had all those tests for us when we were kids. Remember, they would test our hearing, test our flexibility, all of these things. They would test, test, test. Why are we not testing these children for ADHD? Exactly. And one of the other, and the other thing, ADHD, dyslexia. Like Christy and I talk a lot about dyslexia. Why is that not tested for? You just make the kid get to fourth grade and they can't read. My kid feel bad about themselves. All the way to fifth grade without being able to read. Oh my god. See, that's insane. Why? Why would they not just automatically test they for did. these things? They did, but they kept saying just they have to practice more. It was practice more, practice more, practice more, and pull out of the classroom and try to say these words and all this stuff. And it it wasn't working. And so they, you know, there. you know, so the goals come lower so that they can meet the goals so that they can continue. And we kept complaining. I mean, so it's, we don't have to talk about all that, but like, it's a whole, there's a whole systemic issue here and it, it really needs to be looked at differently. And I don't, you know, I don't know how that happens, especially with budgetary and everything else. I just, it's, and it's affecting people. This is an issue that's affecting people, which affects our society and affects it. There's so many things. Totally. I agree. And like, so we're dealing, we're dealing with all of that. And then we have to try to figure out some way to fight the power. And then you feel like you're fighting your kid half the time, because you just want them to be able to do the things that they need to do. Right. And then you have to also be a human. This is hard. There's a pandemic. I'm so tired. Oh my God. Like, I'm just like, would I ever sleep if I were in this scenario? I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I would sleep. Yeah. This is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I know. So we are always running into boys. It's boys, 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 boys. This is exactly what I was about to ask, Christy. You're in my Where, Where are the girls? Where are the girls? The girls are daydreaming in class while everybody misses the fact that they're not paying attention and they're getting diagnosed when their kids get diagnosed later on, if they have children at all. Wow. That's so you, like, so you kind of just skated through school. You did okay. I mean, after you were, able, the, you were very smart, obviously, and you were able to just skate through. Well, and that's the thing too, I wonder about, like, because like we don't give kids enough credit for what they can do uh, by memorization and just knowing how to how to like I, I was thinking about what you said about your your son's dyslexia and I'm like was it that his his intelligence allowed him 
to skate through some of it like because he can pick up on the patterns and things even if he doesn't necessarily know how to read that that can be a hindrance too that's actually why they they consider being they call it twice exceptional now mm-hmm. and they consider that a special special need just like um just like every everything else would be considered a special need because i'll tell you um that was another factor then it became not only are you not paying attention but you're too smart for this Mm -hmm. why aren't you doing your homework i don't know you're too smart to not know why you're not doing your homework why aren't you cleaning i don't know you're too smart for it and then when you bring home a good result it's well of course you did that you're smart you're supposed to be able to do that like so there's no there's no benefit there's no credit for doing the right thing or the wrong thing right that's a strange place for a child to be in so did you feel when you were in high school and i don't know i I guess i'm looking at you from the high school did you feel different did you from your friends could you see like they were able to do things that you couldn't i was uh, you know what i i was in a i grew up in a household where being unique was really celebrated so I actually saw that as a positive thing, but yeah, I definitely saw myself as different. The wise, like the positive parts of being different were the, were the parts I really focused on. Like I was a, um, I was quite the creative writer in high school. Like I've won awards for short stories and poetry and all kinds oh, wow. of things. So it was like, I'm not bummed about the fact that I can't do that math because I don't care about math anyway. Like who cares about math? Nobody cares about math. As a uh, Jimmy Buffett said, math sucks. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, realistically, and that was my, my mom was like, okay, math sucks. You have to do math or they're not going to pass you. Right. And it's like, okay, I can't do that. <laughs> like I can't your mind like, just didn't I'm work trying. that way right I'm just like okay well I'm I'm doing as much of the homework as I can remember to do and that's another thing I forget I forgot I forgot to do the homework I didn't write it down I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing I forget and that's another thing that drives parents crazy because yes, they're like yes. did you really forget did you did you forget uh, yep. mm-hmm. oh my god or are you playing like there's a it's like is this really what's happening or are you playing me? And there's another place where we have to look like if I'm consistently hearing that this child is forgetting the chances are they're probably forgetting. Cause again, why would you want to be in trouble for getting, for forgetting stupid math homework when you could just do it, especially when, you know, you could just do it in 15, 20 minutes if you can concentrate for 15 or 20 minutes. Oh, sounds like my, my house. Well, and the doctors always, like, I remember them saying to me years and years ago when the, the kids were little, you don't, kids don't want to be bad. No. No kid is born and comes out and like, I'm going to terrorize everybody in my path. Like, I'm here to make you miserable. They want to be good. They want the positive recognition. They want to be the smartest. They want to be the fastest. They, you know, everybody has that innate ability where they, they, they want goodness for themselves and it's the system that beats them down or whatever their issues are, right? Exactly that. Exactly that. So it's just like, at that point, when, when you're, 
when you're repeatedly seeing behavior that you're dis if discipline is not solving the problem, then discipline isn't going to solve the problem. We need to delve deeper at that point and figure out what it is. Because if 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 it was a disciplinary problem, discipline would would resolve it. And when it's not, then you're just like you're going to continue to apply a solution that's never going to work. The right. child resents it. They might act out in some other kind of ways because of their resentment. And then, you know, there's, there's just, it's a huge mess. And why aren't they teaching parents this when they get an ADHD diagnosis? Why do they teach? They don't tell them anything. Renee, I think you need to be, side note, I think you would do so well talking. I'm glad you're on our podcast. I think you need to go on a speaking tour and speak at schools to parents of like what it looks like. Because you speak... Hearing from um, a child, you speak so well as an adult, but of your childhood experiences, it's so helpful. You actually, I'm sitting here like holding back tears. Like, and I mean, this is a whole different path, but things have been so hard in our house since distance learning for my kids, and we are beating our heads against the wall. And you have said every word you have said has been like a golden nugget of of why we are having such a hard time and, and it, we are doing the wrong thing. Like we have been doing the wrong things because to all your points, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm making lists and going, here's your work. Just do it. I don't understand. Just do it. We'll just sit here and we'll knock it out. And they're looking at me like I have a hundred heads and trying to tell me no. And they're trying, I've got a kid who's telling the school, he's telling his teachers, like, we need a meeting. I need to tell you why I can't do this work. You are testing me on exactly what I cannot do. Like the class is set up to test me against everything. Like it's, it's just solidifying what I can't do instead of presenting it in a way that I can do it. And I'm not going to do it anymore. He literally said, it, I'm not doing it anymore. For him to have like, okay, now you're going to make me cry. For this kid to be able to advocate for himself on that level says a lot about you as a parent. Well, it, it's also a lot about the experience he's had and how hard it's been for him and that we've finally, you know, we kind of let him be who he, what, who he is. And um, it's been hard. It's been hard for him. It's been hard for everyone. But I mean, I have, the, I have two of them that this distance learning thing is not good for. And yeah. school was never great either. You know, it's, they struggle in a lot of ways, but you have said, everything you've said has been like, I feel like you were just put on here today to like make me feel better. Do you know what I mean? Good. Like, and I hope you do. Cause I, like, it's not like I've, people are really hard when parents are frustrated and it's like, you're trying to correct us. There's nothing wrong with us. No, there's, it's not that there's something wrong with the child. It's not about that. It's about parents trying to set their children up to succeed and get the things that they need in life and being frustrated and scared because they don't know how to give their children what they need. And that comes out in frustration. Yeah. That comes out in things you say that you don't mean. Like we're human. Yeah. I try not to ever say um, things about them as a person. I try to just it's about choices. Like maybe I don't like that choice or maybe this situation isn't the best. It's hard, but like, I try to ingrain that because I don't know, like, I don't understand. And I don't know. And just yesterday I had a conversation with one of them and I was like, here's the deal. 
dad and I are just trying to figure out what your potential is and give you all the opportunities that, that will make you successful where, wherever that is and however that is and not to waste these years, right? Like we're just trying to like, whatever that package is that's gonna put you together to make you successful and give you opportunities when you're ready to make those choices, that's all we're trying to do. Yeah. But when you don't understand like how to make that work, it's just a cobweb that you can't get out of. And, I, you know, that's so- And hard. everybody in that equation is suffering. It's not, it's, it's everybody because everybody is frustrated. It's just like, and then you bring in being a teenager, like teenagers yeah. with ADHD are still teenagers and we got big emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like It is. I mean, kudos to you for surviving, like listening to you and seeing like, you know, you're sitting here and I know you're probably still in a journey of some kind, but sure. getting through all those years and having the positive reflection that you have, I mean, like that is so nice. I don't even yeah. know how to articulate it. Like it's you're, so- you're at the, you, you have a gift, like mm-hmm. it's like your experience is a gift that you're, you're passing back. And that's like, that's how I see it. It's like, okay, I can't do anything about what happened to me. There is absolutely nothing that I can do about that. But to have seen so many people benefit from my retrospectives about my own experience and even, you know, my day-to-day journey of the, the things that happen, um, it makes it hurt a little less. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Like it, it, it was very lonely <laughs> being a kid like this because you just, like I said, there's, there's, there's no approval from anywhere. I'm in trouble at school. I'm in trouble at home. Half the, you know, kids struggle with friendships. Like I didn't always have really great friends. I made some, that was something that I finally learned before I got out of school. I learned how to make a good friend and to tell when I had a good friend, but a lot of ADHD kids, really struggle with making friends too Mm -hmm. so your parents are upset with you because you're not doing what you want them to do the teachers are frustrated and don't know what to do with you how do you not internalize all of that and feel like I'm just bad I'm just a problem I just like a burden to everyone that's exactly that right there a burden I'm a burden and I and I don't even know why right and I'm trying to fix it and I can't. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you doing now? Tell us about what you're doing now. So now, of course, I run the blog. Um, I have written, I don't know how many books I wrote this year. I can't, re- <laughs> I can't remember the titles to tell you which ones I wrote this year. I love that you have, a, you, have a clean, you have a cleaning book though. I need to get it my hands on your cleaning book. I do. So it, that one is the only, it's the bestseller. So it's the only one whose title I can always remember specifically. It's called Everything You Need to Completely Clean with ADHD. And it talks about a lot of those things like how to, so when, when you're cleaning, what is clean, right? Like every family, every person has a different definition of what clean is. So we talk about what you need like the bare bones minimum of what you need to pass as clean. And in my opinion, what you need to pass as clean is that it needs to be safe. 
it needs to be sanitary and you need to be able to find your stuff. Every single thing else is fair game. So, <laughs> you know, like if, if you've got like scissors and stuff mixed in and a pile of stuff on your couch, you're not clean because the scissors are going to stab you eventually. You don't know what's in that pile. Right. That pile's got to move. You got to make sure you've got a clear pathway through the clutter or else you're going to trip and fall to your death. You're not clean. So like those kind of it's sanitary, you know, you don't want to attract vermin. You don't want to get sick from, you know, whatever kind of gunk forms in people's houses when they don't clean the gunk. So you got to have a clean kitchen and clean bathroom, sanitize the surfaces, you know, just if you can do all of that and your home is totally cluttered and that doesn't bother you, Fine. Who, cares? who cares? It is hurting no one. I love it. You know what I mean? Like if you can find your stuff now, when you get into clutter, you might not always be able to find your stuff. So then you got to circle back to that. But other than that, who cares? And if they don't like it when they come over, they don't have to come over anymore. Right. So it's really about seizing your own power and figuring out what's important to you and then working towards that as a goal instead of trying to turn your home into Pinterest. That is not a thing. That's not going to happen for a lot of us. <laughs> like, that's just not realistic. So it's- I love it's that. that. You're amazing. Thank you. Really <laughs> Quite an honor. I appreciate it. Oh it's like, God. you know, the more I suffer, the more things <laughs> I get to put out that tell people like, okay, I was, you know what, seriously, when you want to talk about parenting, that was the one thing that my mother ingrained in me, that it, that I was supposed to be happy, but that nobody else could make me happy, that I was the person who was responsible for my own happiness. And so every step that I've taken along this path has been, am I happy? No, well, then I have more work to do and going through life like that. So, you know, I think more than teaching children how to do their homework and how to not get in trouble at school, teaching them how to recognize their own intrinsic value and push towards what they see as their potential is really like the best thing that you can give a kid. Everything else, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think we should kind of wrap it up because it's been, I feel like we need to have you back because we could talk for hours. Thinking, can I call you? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> else has my number. My number and my psychiatric <laughs> history are all over the internet. <laughs> Thank you so much. So to our listeners, please check out her website. It is Black Girl Lost Keys. Is it blackgirllostkeys.com? It's blackgirllostkeys.com for the blog. If you want to go find books and fidget toys and all of that stuff that I was being clever that day. And sometimes I deeply regret it, but I named my store's site Black Girl Lost Tees because I sell t-shirts on there. It was real clever at the time, but like okay. when it comes to trying to find stuff, not so much. Okay. Black Girl Lost Tees for your, um, for your store. And what is your Twitter handle? It's... <laughs> They won't let me have all my characters. So it's BLK girl lost keys because I can't get the A and the C in. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we will be in touch and bring you back. Perfect. 
whenever just um send the you know where to send the email we'll do it again i'd love to this was great this was a conversation you know so many times when you do podcasts it's like right down the line answer this question answer this it 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 feels like a like a interrogation instead of an interview but this was really this was a lot of fun i feel like we got to talk and not like i was in the hot seat (laughs) oh no all right thank you so much Well, thank you so much for listening to Rachel and I today. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to follow us on Facebook, you can find us at Constant Chaos. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Podcast Chaos.